Welcome to The Deal with Yield, your podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. I'm Joel Whipperfirth, Director of Digital Transformation for Winfield United. And I'm Corey Evans, Technical Seed Manager for Winfield United. Last week, Corey and I talked about considerations for farmers who haven't finalized their seed choices yet. But this time, we're going to take a look at what farmers who've selected their seed can do to get the most value from their choices. Corey, I'm excited about this one. This one is hybrid management. And, you know, there's things that producers do before they plant the field that help them in hybrid management. And then there's things after that's planted that we can do to help manage the potential. You know, as a parent, I think about, you know, each one of my kids needs some core basic things, but then each one of them kind of needs some unique things, some unique coaching, if you will. And I really got to tailor that coaching as I do that. So hybrid management, variety management is very similar to that. So first off, what I'd ask is, you know, is there some technology that can help farmers make input and planting decisions for the seed that they've chosen? This topic is really near and dear to my heart, right? I spend almost all year thinking about seed every day I wake up. And I think a seed management of what levers can you pull to optimize your yield or maximize your yield, whatever you're shooting for, based on knowledge of the hybrids. One of the things that we know are really critical are hybrids' response to different management styles, whether that's response to rotation, response to nitrogen, population, or fungicide. When you think of just those four key decisions of, does this hybrid go on corn on corn? Does this go on corn on soy? Does this need higher population or lower population? Whatever it may be, those four critical decisions of rotation, population, nitrogen, fungicide make up a huge component of the yield story. So I think about one of those factors in particular and population. It's, you know, you can write a verberate planning prescription or you can not and just do a fixed rate. One of the characteristics that I would say for this population component for for whether or not you should write a verberate prescription is, is the field variable. Does the final yield or the established stand vary by more than 10%. If it does, that's probably a place where, you know, in considering that. But I'm looking at, you know, the, the price of corn and I'm looking at the bushels needed to pay for a thousand more seeds. And, you know, if I'm running a $300 bag of corn at uh, $3.75 for a sold price, I need about a dollar per thousand seeds. So if I increase by 8,000, it's eight more dollars per acre. Talk to me about making that population selection, because I think a lot of companies can provide you some insights on fixed or flexed ear, but get it down to the thousand for me. How do we determine the right seeding rate? You know, Joel, if you read any seed guide, you're exactly right. You're going to see something like semi-fix, semi-flex, maybe it's flex, and you have to decide, how do I vary my population based on its semi-flex, right? Does that mean I should increase it by 2,000 or decrease it? One thing that's really helped us at Winfield United dial in our population prescription is what we would call response to population scores. So response to population in our answer plot is simply taking a hybrid at a lower population, let's say 30,000, increasing to 38,000, and finding the difference, right, the delta between those two. And for my simple mind and simple math, at you know $300 bag of seed at corn, you need about eight bushels to pay for it. And fresh off the press, Joel, 2019 response to population data showed a 9.1 bushel response 
basically comparing a you know an 8,000 plant per acre difference. So on average, you break even, and that's across 200 plus hybrids. So knowing that, if you just said, okay, on average, it's break even, you probably won't spend a lot of time worrying about variable rate. But I think the story is when you start talking about the range and response. So this year in 2019, the range of response was 0.84 bushels to 21.9, meaning one hybrid only gave you one extra bushel by pushing almost 8,000 more plants per acre. So you lost money. So you lost money. On the other hand, there was a hybrid that gained almost 22 bushels by increasing 8,000 plants. So you probably doubled your money, if not a little bit more. So knowing that, okay, then you got to probably separate out what hybrids have that low response that maybe you don't have to worry too much about variable rating or pushing populations. Moderate response for me is it could go both ways. If there's a lot more variability, maybe there's an opportunity to push populations in the, the best zones and back off populations a little bit in your lower yield zones. And then you've got a high response population product that looks like it's benefiting from higher populations across the board. I think that's where you can start to get out of your comfort zone with data to support it, to push populations just a little higher than you normally would. Yeah, that's uh, that's really good insight around the selection and the management to that. And, you know, it's it's a good way to get some initial calculations. I always joke around, you know, everybody's a good farmer in Excel spreadsheet in January. So you can line item these things out, this hybrid, high response to population. You know, let's put this thing in the ground at 36, 38,000. But I just think back to last year and the variability amongst planting dates. Does planting date have impact on what the population should be? As I go closer into the season, should I be planting less seeds, more seeds? How, how have you worked with that? You know, I think the the first discussion there is, what kind of environment am I planning into? So I think of hybrid genetic vigor, and I think about what's the soil conditions when I'm planting in. So imagine planting super early in the really wet, tough conditions. What kind of hybrid would you want for that type of acre? For me, that's a pretty easy question, right? Cold and wet conditions, I want the strongest hybrid for emergence and vigor. But on the flip side, I want a product that has a lower response to population. Knowing that if I'm pushing the envelope on planting date on the early side, I'm going into tougher conditions. I don't want to use a high response to population product there, knowing that I'm trying to optimize yield by pushing populations. When I'm pushing my planting date, I'm probably giving up a little on my stand count, and I don't want to you know, offset any benefits where I'd rather have a low response to population product to provide some cover if I lose some stand. Yes, that's, that's an interesting management decision to say that if you're expecting variability in emergence, using a hybrid that has variability in flex on that ear or a low response to population probably gives you the forgiveness that you need to get through it. You know, of course, we want that seed in the ground an inch and three quarters to two inches. You know, we want you to go through your planting equipment and, you know, get your brushes fixed, get your, you know, if you've got a vac planter, make sure that your seed plates are stored outside of the meters. You know, the basic planter maintenance will help you drop that stand. But it's another thing to actually get that seed to come out of the ground. And if you're headed into some variable conditions, I always say the variable conditions are, you know, that last day where the conditions were really good. And then the next day you've got your coveralls back on for two days and the planters parked in the yard. It was the day before you should have actually made the decision for the lower response to population hybrid to go in. So I can confess, I don't own any tractor keys, right? My little push 
lawnmower doesn't even have a key. So when growers ask me, okay, I'm in the planter, I got rain coming, it's cold, what do I do? Well, they're expecting an answer, right? And you know that the proper agronomic answer is probably to shut the planter down, you know, wait it out, wait till a better day. But you know, there's probably a chance that they're going to keep pushing it farther than they should. And my go-to answer is, okay, if you're going to minimize risk, you got to start out with A, a strong starter package that's going to get that corn seed up and out of the ground. B, you need a genetic vigor problem, right? You got to have a stronger emergence and vigor. And then you need to look at what's your response to population. If you're willing to sacrifice stand, but just make sure that there's a chance that it can overcome it. All right, Corey. So we've talked a lot about population. We've talked a little bit about planting conditions and how to get that stand out of the ground. And, you know, even variable rate, the fields should be variable if you're going to variable rate. What are some other seed management decisions that I can play with throughout the year? So Joel, last episode, we talked about a really unique weather pattern in 2019. And how do I use the data from 2019 to make decisions in 2020? And one thing that I've learned going through putting data together and looking at our response to scores is really focused on response to nitrogen. So we know that outside of weather, nitrogen is probably the most controllable factor that we have in, in corn production. And when we test response to nitrogen by hybrid, it's actually one of our most predictable and consistent scores that we have. So when we try to derive response to nitrogen scores, we take a hybrid, we basically put a low enough amount of nitrogen to have a harvestable ear. And then on the non-limited nitrogen side, we want to just give it too much, right? We want to make sure nitrogen is not a limiting factor. We find RTN scores by taking the difference of that really low rate to that really high rate. And that helps us understand a couple things. One is, does the hybrid have a higher response to in-season management? If I have a high response to nitrogen product, it's probably telling me that there's some advantage to a side dress or an enhanced nitrogen management strategy. But on the opposite end, what I really look at is how well does a hybrid tolerate nitrogen stress? We know that we had a whole bunch of rain across the, the corn belt this year. Nitrogen, of course, is always top of mind when we see a lot of rain. But one thing we know is if you want a key indicator of a hybrid that's going to perform we know that it has something to do with its ability to tolerate end stress on the low end with the ability to take a higher rate of nitrogen and turn it into yield efficiently. So really, you're looking for a hybrid that performs the best in limited end with a high RTN hybrid. So, you know, I, I think, you know, looking at the variability of nitrogen, the response scores in the answer plot in 2018 were 58 bushels to 119 bushels. The average hybrid got you 66. And you said, well, what was it this year? This year we're up to 71.9 as the average. On the range, it was 30.8 bushels to 105. So if I do my simple math, we're looking at, what, 74 bushel delta spread between the lowest hybrid response and the highest hybrid response. Yeah, so what's fascinating to me, and, and working with uh, John Kennard, one of our, the lead data guy for the answer plot data, you know, he always talks about, hey, the range might vary from year to year. 
but the consistency of the products. There's some products in the answer plots that we keep in, kind of in the same way that we've talked in the past about seed selection. Some of the varieties that you keep in your lineup, we keep in our lineup in the answer plot to get some stability of what's happening year over year. One of those places that John and I talk a lot about is the stability of these scores from year over year. The variance may change. You know, it goes from 66 one year to 70 the next year on the average for response to nitrogen. But the high response to hybrids stay high response. They don't move around in, inside their categories. And I think that's one of the things that gives me confidence to know that those scores are stable, they're repeatable, and no matter what the environment is, I can depend that the perspective of that score is going to be on the higher end. Now, this is one of those places where technology plays a role that utilizing a tool like field forecasting tool that can understand the hybrid score and the forecast of the weather environment that's coming to you, those are kind of the the other factors I've got to have in my equation. It was really tempting this year to look at the weather we had and then look at the hybrid response and just want to throw it out, right? Because, boy, we had a really unique year. But when I started to put our data together and I put out hybrid yield by limited N and hybrid yield by non-limited N, it was kind of eerie because it mimicked almost exactly what the 2018 response was. So if a hybrid did really well in, in limited N, it probably did really well in limited N this year. Granted, there was a different overall yield. Same thing for the the non-limited side. If a hybrid performed awesome last year when nitrogen wasn't a limiting factor, it probably foreshadowed the same thing this year. If you think about the yield equation, Joel, right? Genetics times environment times management. Well, the genetics and management is pretty consistent. I think you're right. Having the field forecasting tool with that really large variable environment to start to make predictable responses in our decisions is key. So response to population, response to nitrogen, uh, response to rotation. This is one of those decisions, uh, you know, the, 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 my, my land here in Minnesota here, the guy is going to go corn on corn. He also had some gosses wilt this last year. So certainly when you look at ro- response to rotation, what is the response to rotation score really taking into account when you consider my corn on corn and a known presence of gosses wilt? You know, the response to rotation that we derive is really one component of the rotation decision. So the scores that you would see through the CHD chart would be taking the difference of a hybrid's yield in a corn and soybean rotation and subtracting its yield from a corn on corn rotation. So the higher the difference, the lower the responses. Okay. So what you'd want to see is a pretty similar yield on both corn on corn and both corn on soy. Now, the thing that doesn't tell the right story maybe on Goss's wealth is really focusing on your hybrid's agronomic characteristics. Because I can't guarantee that all of our corn on corn sites had Goss's wilt, so we really don't pick up for that. So that's why I would say our response to rotation score is only one part of the conversation of, boy, does this product go on corn on corn or, or should I try something different? I think when it's a disease, you need to rely on the seed guide and the agronomic score to really weigh that decision. I think the the corn on corn conversation probably pulls out things like, you know, what's its response to emergence in a tougher condition? What's its response to nitrogen when we have, you know, more corn residue tying up nitrogen? But maybe it doesn't totally tell you the best on our disease component. Yeah, I think 
that goes back to the when you're going after your seed selection, it's the diversification of genetics. We have an opportunity to see a number of brands from from NK to DeKalb to Cropland to, to Mycogen brands. You know, it's really a key point when you're doing that corn-on-corn rotation to not go back to the same hybrid because all of its weaknesses were exposed last year and are just laying in the soil uh, ready to come out again. And I think that's one of the big pieces there is I, I hear you talking about a good response to rotation score doesn't get you out of the woods for the diseases that you experienced last year not being a yield limiter this coming year. I think it's the difference between a coarse tune knob and a fine tune knob. Response rotation is the coarse tune of, hey, if I got a really wide response, I probably don't want that hybrid. But if I can, you know, get down to three or four hybrids that have a lower response, a smaller yield difference, that gets me into the conversation of, okay, out of those three or four hybrids, let's say, what has the better gases score, what has the better emergence score, and maybe what's the response to nitrogen that fits my management style a little bit better. So I don't think it's a, a total yes or no black or white answer, but it's helped getting you to a better decision. So the last score that we can kind of talk about is, I'm going to frame this up away from the hybrid and actually towards the, the chemistry side of it. The response to fungicide, you know, I, I think about this as, okay, so response to fungicide, I've got a $10 decision to make, a $20 decision to make, or a $30 decision to make based upon which new active ingredient I'm using. How do I choose the response to fungicide score with the hybrid and match that with a $10, $20, or $30 per acre fungicide decision? When you look at 2019 data overall, I was really surprised. So our response in 2018 to response to fungicide was 172 2019 data was 16.1. So even though we had a totally different year in 2019 that we had in 2018, we still saw a positive response. And that was irregardless of disease pressure. Whether we had some moderate or high disease or we didn't have any, we were still seeing a certain response to fungicide. But here's what I think the difference is. The range is 5.6 bushels to 40.4. So some hybrids responded as low as 5.6, some responded as high as 40.4. Those scores derive the response to fungicide, which is low, moderate, or high. And here's, I think, really the point of your question is, what's the probability of seeing a positive response? If I have a high response to fungicide product, it's probably predicting that I've got a, a greater chance of breaking even. And you can be maybe more confident in spending the money on a a premium fungicide with more modes of action. Maybe if you're on the the moderate or low side, that starts getting the question of, okay, I know what the hybrid is, but what's the agronomic conversation? If I'm corn on corn, if I'm, you know, in a disease prone area, if I've had historical challenges with stock lodging or thracnose or northern corn leaf blight, I think that opens up the opportunity to, okay, let's look at response to fungicide. But if I'm not totally confident in that score, can I use the agronomics to make a decision? And then how much investment do I want to put in? Is it worth $10, is it worth $20, or is it worth $30 an acre? You've been listening to the Deal with Yield podcast. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us online or on your podcast app. And for more episodes, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and thedealwithyield.com. 